Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is food news. So, did you know that there's a startup restaurant in San Francisco that makes burgers from start to finish with a robot? I did not. Well, there is now, and it's called (laughs) Creator. Creator. Oh, okay. Creator, I don't know. Um, The, The robot is... No, the restaurant is. Oh, okay. Um, so it the headlines are all saying it's a robot, but it's really just a machine. Uh-huh. But yeah. they're calling it a robot because it has to do yeah. a lot of complex things, I guess. I don't inside. know where you really draw the line between robot and... Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of hard. But anyway, <laughs> it's a machine. Um, so this was this concept was started by a man named Alex Vardacostas. Um, and he grew up in the burger business because his parents owned two burger restaurants in Orange County, California. And the inspiration for this concept struck him while he was a junior at the University of California, Santa Barbara, studying physics. Apparently, he woke up at 4 a.m. one day with the idea for a robot-made burger. He says, a lot of people don't talk about this or realize it, but it's incredibly unhealthy inhaling grease-laden vapors and soot all day. Like, if you're, like, the grill cook. Mm-hmm. Um so this was really exciting for me. Like that was part of the reason why he wanted to do this was because he wanted to keep someone from having to be like standing over the grill the whole time. Right. Um, and as a side note, apparently the world health organization has identified a number of hazardous compounds released into the air by cooking. And while many oven hoods and commercial and residential kitchens filter some of the bad stuff out, some do a better job than others. And it's like yeah. actually a hazard, which I didn't really realize that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Um, okay. So this is what the machine does. Um, so, they fresh bake brioche buns at the restaurant and then they load them into the machine and then the machine <laughs> slices them and butters them and toasts them with moving paddles. <sighs> and then they land in specially designed compostable hamburger boxes. And there's this like conveyor belt uh-huh. system. Um, then they top the buns with fresh produce sourced from local farms, which is sliced on the spot in the machine. What? It's like sliced <laughs> and lands onto the thing. Then cheese is shredded from blocks and added before being melted onto the bun, still in the machine. Uh, and the beef patties are ground from brisket and cooked using an induction method. Um, so, like, both sides at once and then slid into the boxes automatically. <laughs> you can choose how the meat is seasoned. <laughs> so you can choose, like, regular salt and pepper or, like, special fancy things. Oh, wow. Um, and they, they said this, but never explained how. Somehow the meat grinder is calibrated to vertically align the meat with the diner's teeth. Like, uh, what? it's like, <laughs> it's somehow they like make the patty like customized to your mouth. Uh, okay. You had me, you had me until now. <laughs> what does that I even mean? I don't even know. But multiple sources said this and then didn't explain anything about that. So I'm very curious, but I don't really know what that means. I've never had the thought while eating a burger. It's like, man, this doesn't feel like it's calibrated like, for my teeth. Yeah, it's supposed to like be calibrated for the best possible mouthfeel, like for you. I don't know. That's okay. what it said. It was very bizarre, but so supposedly strange. it does that. Sure. And then also any cooking fumes are automatically cleaned inside the machine so that it doesn't like emit any fumes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's everything that it does. And it just pops out this like burger in a box, like all freshly made for you. 
Um, and so far, the restaurant has only had a few like special ticketed events for people to try it, but they're opening up full time in September. That is that is really cool. So it's like brand new. Yeah. Um, this yeah. Is like, this has got to be the future of fast food, though. I mean, I, c- I can imagine like a totally personless fast food restaurant where it just like you go up, you press a button and like make your transaction and then you get a you get a burger or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's interesting in this article, they talked about how they didn't want this to be completely personless. Like mm-hmm. they're making a point to make other like sides that people are making, like people are making fries and making other things you can order on the side of the burger and they have p- staff there because they want you to still have like a personable experience right. there versus just like interacting with the machine the whole time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I could still see but, them. I, I could see something like this, like in the future, just yeah. being just like a, basically a, a vending machine, giant vending machine for, <laughs> for, <laughs> for food, for a burger and fries. Like, yeah, I mean, it could, if they, if they're able to make it make a burger, I'm sure they can make it make fries. Oh yeah. Like, I mean like, I'm sure that's a lot easier yeah. to automate. Right. Yeah. So, so that's the future. Maybe. That's neat, we'll see. Though. It's really cool. I, mean, I it's wish the I kind could of try stuff it. you like imagine in sci-fi kind of situations. Yeah, like, it feels like we're finally getting there with some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it said how long it takes for the burger to to oh, be made, yeah. but I'm sure it's pretty fast. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, probably just I mean, like a little slower than making it manually, but they have a lot of the prep work done. Well, because they point. they cook it to order, I think. So mm-hmm. just however long it takes to cook the patty is probably how long it takes, and then right. they just put a lot of toppings. Hmm. But it's just pretty cool. Like it just like yeah. it just slices and grates the cheese like wanna, <laughs> onto your burger. Are you able to see it like or slices the vegetables? Are you able to see into the machine while it's doing it? No, all? I Ugh. looked for that. There's photos of it, but there's no like videos, at least that I saw, um, videos of the machine running. So I don't know if they want to keep it kind of like it's just like a black box proprietary that's, right now. Oh, but it'd be really cool though if you could like watch your burger like going through the well, process. That, I think the that'd thing be so is fun. that I think you I think if you're at the restaurant you can see oh, it. They okay. just don't have any videos of it running on the internet right now. Got it. Okay. Well once yeah. it opens then I'm sure we'll get some. Mm-hmm. Cool. You'll just fly it in <laughs> from California. <laughs> Maybe we can record an episode out in California for fun. <laughs> Just to go to this restaurant. Just to go here. And we'll do some other stuff, too, maybe. Everything will be food news. <laughs> <laughs> food tour of California yeah. from Knick Knack News. Hey, be I, fun. I, I, do that. I don't hate that idea. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. That All was right. my thing. Uh, the first story that I have is species news. <laughs> Hybrid snakes with the ability to live in various environments have been discovered in Florida. Whoa. So of course, it's in Florida. Yeah. Um, Special thanks to my dad for sending me this story. (laughs) Uh, I've mentioned before that he's like really into snakes and stuff and he's Mm -hmm. been bitten a couple times. Uh, (laughs) But he showed me the story. Um, So there's an invasive um, Burmese python population in Florida and researchers have been studying it, trying to determine how they can potentially control this invasive population. And they've discovered um, a kind of hybrid, quote, super snake, which is a type of Burmese python that also has um, traits of Indian pythons. Hmm. Uh, so uh, a new study, this was conducted by scientists in the United States Geological Survey, and it showed that 13 of the 400 Burmese pythons they found um, had mitochondrial genetic signatures from the Indian python, which means that they've crossbred with this other species. Whoa. Uh, 
and they're worried that this hybrid snake has potential to thrive in new environments because it has traits of both of these. Because Burmese pythons typically live in the wetlands, but Indian pythons technically live on higher, uh, typically live on higher ground. Okay. Um, so researchers are wondering: Is it going to be able to pretty much thrive anywhere and just lead to an even worse explosion of these already invasive they're snakes? They're evolving. Yes. Uh, Margaret. Ah. Mar- Margaret Hunter is a research geneticist at the um, U.S. Geological Survey, and she said that hybrid vigor can potentially lead to a better ability to adapt to environmental stresses and changes. And in, in an invasive population like the Burmese pythons in South Florida, that could potentially result in broader or more rapid distribution. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're, they're mostly concerned because the python population is already large, already growing, and it's detrimental to the native animal populations. Oh, okay. So they really want to get these under control. And uh, this is not necessarily good news because it sounds like they're adapting and finding ways to survive in even more climates. So. Are they going to end up all the way up north, like up here? Where were I mean, I, it's going to take, it's going to probably take a little while for that uh, adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> to be able to, for these pythons okay. to be able to survive in the cold winters of the north, I don't. That's okay. That's probably a few hundred, a few hundred years away. Okay. And by then, the snakes will have completely taken over anyway. And uh, I like um, how the Cleveland area doesn't have a lot of venomous snakes. Like there are some, but like yeah, it's we not technically have some many. rattlesnakes, but they're very uncommon this far north. Mm-hmm. Um, and my. In addition to sending me the article, my dad wanted to point out that the second picture in this art in the article that we'll link is actually a boa constrictor, not a Burmese python. <laughs> they put the wrong snake. They in put a, they, the yeah. They had they have one picture of a Burmese python, but then the next one is uh, is definitely a boa constrictor. Oh, so. oops! <laughs> he just wanted to make sure that was known. <laughs> He's just fact checking uh, ABC News. Yeah. So, did it say what types of animals these snakes? eat um it didn't say in the article but they like rodents and like okay. other small mammals Do they're they pythons like... so they're constrictors mm. so if they, can, if they can take it down they'll eat it they wrap around it mm-hmm. it's a little scary yep i mean i don't think they've ever i don't think there's a documented case of them eating a person <laughs> so well, but they could right yeah or are they not big enough do you think? I don't know. Like some some really big snakes have like eaten deer and things, and we're not that much bigger than a deer. Well, like a little kid, it could attack a kid. Probably, yeah. Scary. Snakes are scary. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're cool. They're they're fascinating from a distance. It's, it's kind of actually how I feel about spiders too. I mean, yeah. I'm arachnophobic, but like I like learning about them, but I just don't want to be near one or see That's it. That's fair. It's kind of like that a little bit for me. I respect them though. Yeah. My next story is a random local news story from the Huffington Post. And the headline is, Black Bear Wanders into the Hotel That Inspired the Shining. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure Anthony saw this. I definitely definitely (laughs) did. One of my friends actually said we should do this story. (laughs) Um, So last week, a black bear wandered into the lobby of the Stanley Hotel, located in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, and famous for inspiring Stephen King's horror story, The Shining. Mm -hmm. Have you seen The Shining? Parts of it. Okay. Not the whole thing. We should watch it sometime. Uh, It's it's good. Sounds scary. 
It is. But it's a good type of scary. And it has a good ending. Okay. Maybe. I won't spoil it here in case our listeners haven't <laughs> seen it. If you but... haven't seen The Shining at this point in your life, I think you're, you've lost <laughs> you're your... You're probably uh... going to get it spoiled for you. Or like, you can't be mad at us for spoiling it if you haven't seen it at this yeah, point. Yeah, you're not allowed to be um, mad anymore. Well, I'm not going to spoil it on purpose, just in case. Thank I would you. recommend it if you haven't seen it. Okay. No, I haven't. Um, so apparently the incident happened late at night when no guests were around, so no one like was hurt or anything, but there was a member of the staff behind the front desk who was able to get a video of this bear wandering around the lobby and it like climbed up onto a table at one point <laughs> and was just like hanging out on this table. And then I don't know if it went on chairs or stuff. That part wasn't on the film, but yeah, they, there's a video of it getting on a table and then like wandering around the lobby. And then apparently it just eventually wandered out the way it came in. And the host, the hotel staff think it was able to unlatch one of the doors somehow to get into the building, but they aren't exactly sure what happened. And now they are working with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife um, Organization to try to prevent this from happening again. Yeah. Uh. And that's basically it. <laughs> it, was about it, was a like, it was about a bear break-in, so we had to cover it. We had to cover it. And um, I don't know, just like a side note, funny thing, because that hotel is sort of related to The Shining. There is a scene in there with like, a guy in a bear suit yeah. in that movie, which makes this kind of weirdly funny also. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of, kind of strange. Yeah. That'd be pretty crazy though. If you're like a hotel guest and you're like, <laughs> Oh, I can't sleep. I'm going to like go down to the hotel lobby at, like midnight and there's like a black bear in the, I mean, <laughs> in the lobby. Like, Oh my god. I gosh. think that's reason enough to just stay in your room. Probably. Yeah. From now on in any hotel. In case there's a, in case, <laughs> in case of bear. Right. In case of bears, stay in room. <laughs> bear crossing. <laughs> if you see a bear crossing sign in a hotel, you should probably stay in your room at night. Yeah, and I mean, definitely, like, if you see a bear in your hotel, don't, probably don't take a video of it. I would, I would. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Like, the person videoing this was strangely calm. Like, it was very close to them. And yeah. it, there was just, like, a short desk in between them and this bear. And I was thinking, like, okay, this person is pretty gutsy for not just, like, leaving the vicinity and stepping, like, oh, I should film this right or now. Or they had a lot more faith in that desk than they probably should Oh, have. yeah, or that. Hmm. Like, that's, that's not really protecting you from the no. bear, <laughs> the desk. <laughs> if that bear wanted to get to you, it could. Yeah. But. Luckily, it did but not want. It did not. And yeah, nothing bad happened. Today, Everyone, so. Everyone's happy, and it's just a fun fun bear story. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the next story that I have is Space News. <laughs> I really like the headline of this one. It's from NPR. Uh, Scientists are puzzled by mysterious lights in the sky. They call them Steve. <laughs> Plural lights called Steve, apparently. They call them Steve, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this light in the sky over Canada at night, and it's confusing scientists. It looks like a white-purple ribbon. It's very hot, and it doesn't last very long, and they've decided to call it Steve. <laughs> okay. Steve. <laughs> uh, Steve is an acronym, which stands for Strong Thermal Emission Velocity Enhancement, which... Huh. It's a bit of a stretch to get to the name Steve, but fine. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, scientists don't know what's causing this atmospheric phenomenon. Um, apparently, photographers have known about it for a while, but researchers have only recently learned about it. And I feel like it's not. I feel like that should be the other way around. Like when it, researchers have found out yeah. about it first, what? or like when a photographer have asked. I don't like, know. Yeah, that's strange. 
So they did some research, which was published in Geophysical Research Letters, and they have confirmed that it's not an aurora. Um, so it's not like the other skylights that are known to be in that area. Okay. Um, and an aurora is a phenomenon that causes parts of the sky at high latitudes to glow colors such as green, blue, and red. Um, it has to do with electrons and protons from a region around the Earth called the magnetosphere. Or probably just magnetosphere. I don't know why I made it magneto. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a lot cooler. Yeah, magnetosphere. magnetosphere. <laughs> just full of the character Magneto just flying around. That's what <laughs> around the Earth. Yes, um, there's multiple of them. <laughs> yes, that's, that's just Endless. science. <laughs> that's just science. Um, but like long, long story short, uh, I don't really understand a lot of the details of this, but the, the study concluded that Steve is clearly distinct from an aurora and its sky glow could be generated by a new and fundamentally different mechanism in the ionosphere, which sounds oh. less cool than the magnetosphere. The ionosphere? The ionosphere. Uh, how many like, spheres are there on the Earth? Apparently at least, <laughs> a lot. At least two. <laughs> One's, yes. one's full of magnets, one's full of ions, and a third still is full of atmos. Dumb. Is, is there one full of stratos? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> is the stratosphere a thing? I thought it was. I have no idea. Now I'm confused. I don't know. We're not sky scientists. We're, we're not. We're not scotinists. <laughs> I don't think that's what that is. A scotinist is a person who grows people named Scott. <laughs> In a greenhouse. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, we've gotten wildly off track here. Uh, um, it's unclear what actually produces Steve, which uh, is within a stream of very fast-moving and hot gas. The scientists want to take spectrographic me- measurements of Steve, which will help them figure out the altitude of the atmosphere where it forms. Um, it typically appears at lower latitudes than auroras do, um, but they still might be related to each other. Um, Steve is usually associated with a lot of auroral activity at higher latitudes. So one of the questions that they're evaluating is how the activity happens at higher latitudes and how that can help the ionosphere to create the correct conditions for Steve to actually form. Um, so it's potentially huh. like the conditions that are causing the aurora might be also causing Steve. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, the scientific community first learned about Steve when a NASA scientist was chatting in 2016 with a group of amateur photographers called the Alberta Aurora Chasers, who had been referring to it as a proton arc, which the scientist said was not really an accurate description. So instead they called it Steve. (laughs) So they called it Steve instead? Sure. Um, I know you're calling this a proton arc, (laughs) but that's really not great. We need to come up with an acronym that everyone will understand. Steve. Steve, perfect. Is the proposal. First, first one that came to mind, it's the first one we're going to go with. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's name's wow, Steve. Wow, so that, perfect. that's... <laughs> that's really interesting that it... Maybe the reason that it's taken so long for them to realize it's a different thing is they just thought it was part of the Aurora and, like, they didn't think... Yeah, maybe they It just, was a different thing? Still, though, you would think researchers of anyone would, like, see that they and would be like, know. that looks different. Yeah. Versus, like, I don't know. You would no, think that. Nothing but. nothing against the photographer community, but <laughs> I well, kind of would expect scientists to notice something like that. Yeah. Well, because there's so many people that are studying space and the aurora, I'm assuming. So I, wouldn't they yeah. see that? Hmm. Strange. Steve. Well, it said it could do it at lower latitudes, I heard. So. Yeah. 
maybe it'll come all the way to Ohio. That's true. I mean, apparently we've had the Aurora show up before mm-hmm. in this area. I've never seen I've it. I've never seen it either. Um, and I think but. we have a lot of light pollution that makes it difficult, even when it does show up. Oh. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see Steve. We can say hi, Steve. Yeah. Point up at the sky. Hi, Steve. Steve. That'd be fun. Okay, well, my third story is a health news. Okay, and before I jump into this, I just want to say that I have some opinions about the way that this is portrayed in this article, and I think it's a little bit misleading. Okay. I'm going to talk about it anyway. Um, so the headline is, No Alcohol Safe to Drink, Study <laughs> Confirms. <laughs> I saw this article, and it's kind of, we had another one not that long ago that I was know. not safe to not drink alcohol. Right. Did you read the article, or did you just um, look at the headline? I think, I think I skimmed it. So, okay, so with a summary, uh, first of all, this is the BBC News version of this. Um, So the summary at the top is that a large new global study published in The Lancet has confirmed previous research, which has shown that there is no, quote, safe level of alcohol consumption. And by not safe, they just mean completely devoid of any risk. That's what their definition of safe is, basically. okay. So it's not like you're drinking poison all the time forever. Right. So they didn't say that. I added in that definition there because i read through the whole thing and that's what they mean by not safe they mean that like there's there's no according to this study there's no level of alcohol consumption that doesn't include risk with it okay um and the researchers admit moderate drinking may protect against heart disease but found that the risk of cancer and other diseases outweighs these protections that's like the summary at the top okay Okay. so a couple details the study looked at 15 to 95 year olds um globally from like all different parts of the world and compared people who did not drink at all with those who had one drink a day. Um, and according to the results of the study, which I didn't quite understand this, but out of a hundred, out of a hundred thousand non drinkers, 914 of them developed alcohol related health problems such as cancer or like injuries. And I was like, wait a minute, but they're the non drinkers. So that doesn't make sense. I think what they're saying is they were looking at like, these things that are known to be caused by, be alcohol. Caused by alcohol. And they looked at how many people per 100,000 people would have that if you didn't okay. drink. So they found 914 out of 100,000, so which is less than 1%. Like another form of cancer that's not actually related to them drinking. Yeah. Is that kind of... Yeah, but they, they're using that as like the control number sure. to compare to the higher levels right. after this. So, so that's like the control. It's like less than 1%. Then they said... In, only four more people would be affected if they drank one drink a day. So we're still at less than 1% of the population. And then I'm like, okay, that's like nothing. That's like barely <laughs> anything. And then it says for people who had two drinks every day, 63 more developed a condition within a year or something of like when they were measuring this. Okay. And then those that consumed five drinks a day, there was an increase of 338 people. So then we're now at like, about 1,200 people per 100,000 that developed some type of health problem. So that seems a little more statistically significant, but like yes. also still surprisingly low. Right. Five I, drinks just, a day? Like, what? That's a that's lot. That's a lot of, of alcohol. That's, if you're drinking a, five drinks a day, that's a lot. That's I'm like, high consumption. I'm just like looking at these numbers like, okay. I, I mean, maybe I have to look at the math of the statistics. I haven't done this, but it just seems like only four people difference out of a hundred thousand is not a a statistically significant number increase for like showing that drinking one drink a day 
increases your risk of health issues. That's what they're claiming basically for, with this. Um, yeah, if that's the case, then I'll take my chances. Yeah, it's a little bit like, what? Okay, so the lead author of the study, Dr. Max Griswold at the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington said, quote, previous studies have found a protective effect of alcohol on some conditions, but we found that the combined health risks associated with alcohol increases with any amount of alcohol, which is true. Mm -hmm. Um, The strong association between alcohol consumption and the risk of cancer, injuries, and infectious diseases offset the protective effects for heart disease in our study. Although the health risks associated with alcohol start off being small with one drink a day, they rise rapidly as people drink more. So like, they did show that like the more you drink, the more that the risks rise and it is mm-hmm. significant that relationship. But well, yeah, I can I, see like injury stu- rates increasing. Like if you're consistently drinking, yeah, like, I think you'd be at greater risk for like hurting yourself or someone. Yeah. And they, I mean, I guess I haven't looked at this literature, but they found a, um, a correlation with like certain types of cancer with, if you drink a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't agree with the assertion of the headline, which is no alcohol safe to drink right. study confirms. It's just like it's so misleading. Very <laughs> misleading. Just, I just want to say that I have strong feelings about that. I think that's a misleading title yeah. <laughs> and I don't like when things are misleading. So yeah. hopefully I've portrayed what actually the study was. So right. I still think that if you drink sometimes, like even like the lowest group here was like a drink a day. That's like seven drinks a week. I that's mean, still, that's, that's still kind yeah. of a lot. Like if you drink like, I don't know, four drinks a week. That's even less than what the lowest group was in this study. So like, right. it seems that there's not a huge, like, yes, you're going to have slightly, slightly, slightly more risk, but it's not super significant. Yeah. So don't just like stop drinking alcohol because now, because of the headlines like this. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh. This episode brought to you by alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sponsored by the alcohol companies. I just don't like misleading titles about science. Yeah. But yeah, so that's all over the news, this study. So yeah. interesting. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying it. No problem. Speaking of science, I have another science news. Yay. I guess this could also fall under species news. Anyway, uh, a 228 million year old fossil has revealed the complex early history of turtles. <laughs> turtles. Paleontologists have discovered a 228-million-year-old extinct species of turtle known for its weird disc-like body without a shell and its toothless beak. So it's a turtle that has a beak but no shell. But How is that still a turtle? But it has, like... <laughs> they, they've got, like, an illustration in the article that I recommend you look okay. you look at because it's, like, it's still got the shape of a turtle just without the shell. So it's, like, huh. just a weird disc shape, but it hasn't developed, like, a hard plate yet weird so that's i that's how they know it's a, and it still has like the beak like turtles do um so that's hmm. how they know uh it's got a scientific name that i'm not even going to try to pronounce <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a doozy but uh rest assured it is very scientific uh and this newly discovered turtle lived approximately 228 million years ago in the triassic period in what is now southwestern china it was over six feet long with, with like I said, a disc-like body and a very long tail, which is kind of unusual for a turtle, and its, and its strange beak. It probably lived in shallow water and dug in the mud for food. Um, this isn't the only kind of early turtle that paleontolog- paleontologists have discovered. There's another early turtle with a partial shell but no beak. So they've got tur- this turtle that has the beak but no shell, and they found a 
turtle with a shell but no beak. And okay. that leads to um, their discussion of the origin of turtles, which has actually been an unsolved problem for a very long time. So the fact that it developed a beak before other early turtles, but it didn't have a shell, is evidence of the, the concept of mosaic evolution, which is the idea that traits can evolve independently from each other and at a different rate, and that not every ancestral species has the same combination of these traits. So uh, modern yeah. turtles have both, the beak and the shell, but the path of evolution that it took wasn't like a straight line. It didn't necessarily get the beak and then the shell, and then like it was all cool. Um, instead, some turtle rel- relatives got the shells, some got beaks, and eventually the genetic muta- mutations that created those traits occurred within the same animal. So, or they breeded or they, together. Or they bred together. Like... So that, and that, like, that's one way that that mutation could manifest itself okay. in different animals. So cool. it's it just kind of neat because they, they're different traits developed separately and then suddenly merged to form what we yeah, know as a turtle now. That's very cool. Um, and another mystery that this turtle has managed to solve um, involves its skull. Um, for years, paleontologists weren't sure if turtle ancestors were part of the same reptile group as modern lizards and snakes, which are known as diapsids, um, because early in their evolution, they had two holes in the sides of their skulls. Um, and there's another earlier form of reptile called an anapsid, which didn't have these openings. Mm. Um, but the skull of this species so shows signs that it was a diapsid, which confirms that it's related to the more advanced modern diapsids as opposed to these early um, anapsid reptiles. So um, the scientists seemed very pleased with that. In the article, he said, "Yes, it's that is a cl- it's a closed case now. It's something we can nice. confidently say is 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 true." So awesome! Now we know all about how turtles uh, have evolved. I didn't realize that was like a missing. Yeah, I didn't know there was a missing turtle link. Yeah, but it turns out there was, and cool. we've found it. That's so, great. Go science! <laughs> Woo, science! Yay, paleontology! Yeah, I really want to see like I. I wish I could see a live version of one of these, a mm. turtle with a beak, but no shell and a yeah. really long tail. Like it would look really strange. That would look really weird. Like a flattened lizard. Yes. It would look like a lizard that was smushed into a circle, <laughs> yes. but still walking like a, almost like a cartoon. And also has you know, a like beak some, for some reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when like cartoons like get like smashed by something and then they're like walking around and they're like a mm-hmm. disc. That's what I'm imagining. Yep. <laughs> I can picture Wiley e. Coyote. It looked just yeah, yeah. Guess what? What? It's time for breaking news. <gasps> the part of the show where Anthony and I look up news stories that just happened today and read them to you on the fly. But I should say, today <laughs> we're recording earlier than normal um, because of some scheduling things. So um, it's Sunday, and by the time <laughs> you hear this, <laughs> these news stories might be not breaking anymore. Um, but we're just letting you know that ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> so just keep that in mind. <laughs> All right, you ready? Yes. Okay, go. Go. Okay, um, the story I found is California man had 800 pounds of stolen lemons. And my first That's thought a- was, was this the guy that stole the ramen? <laughs> this is the guy going around stealing, <laughs> stealing massive food. quantities of food. Yeah, so authorities say a man has been arrested in Southern California after deputies found about 800 pounds of stolen lemons inside his car. That's a lot of lemons. What kind of car is this? In his car? In his car. Took me a second. What? Yeah. 
Riverside County Sheriff's officials say 69-year-old Dionisio Fieros was arrested Friday and booked on a charge of theft of agricultural products. Hmm. Um, inside the car, deputies say they found several large bags of freshly picked lemons they say were stolen from a nearby farm. So he okay. went to a farm and just picked so 800 pounds of lemons. No, okay. I, th- I don't think he, p- he probably didn't pick them. He probably found like a warehouse or something yeah. and took these bags. If they were already in bags. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that his car was just like full of loose lemons. <laughs> well, <laughs> like they pull I'm him over, they op- this, he like, rolls down the window and lemons just fall out. <laughs> maybe that is what it was in reality. And they're like, going to say, I don't know what I'm saying. Why would they change the story? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just don't know how you fit 800 pounds of lemons in a car unless it's like maybe I'm an under, Escalade. But maybe then if I'm you have that, why are you stealing lemons? lemons? It's a good question. <laughs> seems like you could afford some lemons. Yeah. Why do you need these? Are you going to resell them on the lemon black market? Are lemons heavier than I'm remembering? <laughs> are, are they, they very dense? massive? <laughs> My story, um, I'm realizing actually happened a couple days ago, so it's going to be even more out of date, (laughs) but it's fine. That's okay. Um, Students' green shirt creates floating head school photos. (laughs) (laughs) And this is one where you definitely have to see the article, and I realize it's probably not the best to bring up such a visual story on an audio medium, but um, this kid in Missouri wore this bright green neon shirt to picture day, and it blended in with the photographer's green screen. This resulted in a bunch of photos of just his head floating in front of like an autumn scene and in front of a gray wall and in front of the American flag. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, the, the kid's name was Carter and he came home from school and told his mom he was worried that his shirt was going to blend in with the green screen. And she said, maybe it'll come out OK. But then they got the proofs back and it was exactly what he had feared. <laughs> I'm looking so, up the photos now so, so I can see them. The studio that uh, that took the photos says that the proofs don't go through a human uh, proofing process. It's all automated, so they wouldn't have had a chance to catch this before sending it out to the to the family. But uh, this is this is not the first time this has happened, and they're able to fix the pro- the photos before actually giving them to them. But yeah, I think you have to. The you, one with the flag is my favorite. The, the flag is very good. It looks like. Someone like tore a hole in the flag and he just popped his head out of it and took a photo. Hey, it's me. Like, it's like, hey. I'm in your flag now. So, yeah, it's a short, it's Very short funny. but sweet. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all those other great services. Uh, And while you're there, go ahead and leave us a review. Give us a nice rating. Uh, And if you want to see more from Knickknack News, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at at knickknacknews. All right. See you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye. The scientists want to take spectrometer or... uh, the scientists want to take spectro. The scientists want to take spectro. Spe- <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> <laughs> What's the, the word? word? Spectrographic. Oh. Hmm.